30 minutes when it was at 7.15. So about 7.45. In 30 minutes, Dez is going to recap his uh, college football playoff picks. <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. I, I hope. Not, a, not I sh- a big fan over here, I can tell. Of De- I yeah. mean, like you returned to kick for my team in a Super Bowl, helped yep. us win. But um, no, I think he's pretty, big, pretty awful. Big bust for my team. So I think came college to the NFL. game day as a whole is pretty awful. Really quick, I just saw this. Blake Corum over a half of a receiving touchdown is plus 800. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't know if we're going to use him out of the, I don't know. I like Roman Wilson a little bit tonight, though. Do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, he had 45 catches to, on 63 it? targets, 12 tutties. What is he at right now? He's what, plus not, uh, plus 1,300 for first touchdown for Roman Wilson. Yeah, I played it. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with it. I like it. I like we'll go, it. We'll go Roman Wilson. And then uh, Blake Corum to score two touchdowns, which was plus 150. You can Even get at plus 140 elsewhere. I still like. Yeah. Yeah. I like or it. you could also use that BetMGM 50% odds boost that they're offering right now. Go check that out at BetMGM or the BetMGM app. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what this, this Washington offense does against Michigan, though, because, like, we mentioned this a little bit at the beginning, right? But, like, you've got two very different styles that are coming together in this game, which makes it so unique. It makes it – think really come down to what we're going to kind of see and who establishes their style of play early on in this game. Yeah, I can't wait for this game, man. Like you said, I mean, it's like a perfect matchup, right? Because you got Michigan, who has this great pass rush, and then you have Washington, who has one of the better offensive lines, the Joe Moore Award winner, and then you have Michael Penix going against this Michigan defense, who we think's elite. They gave up, what, six points per game, but I don't know. We, everybody keeps betting against Michael Penix. Yeah. And, and they uh, keep losing. Yeah, they keep winning games. He is, he's, you know what it is too? It, I understand that like we love having these guys, you know, guys are, guys are going to be less willing to leave for the NFL earlier. I think now that you've seen, well, one, you're getting NIL deals, but two, you're seeing players stay longer, transfer, get better opportunities, grow as a player. And Michael Penix Jr., who might've been second day pick at best a couple of years ago, now is going to be top 15, maybe even top 10 in the NFL draft, depending on obviously how this game goes, there's workouts, and we know there's going to be more to it than that. But you're now getting so much more just experience out of a lot of these great quarterbacks in college football, which then leads to more of these opportunities for programs to go out and get a Dylan Gabriel, right? And then all this, this guy's played for two other programs, but then he takes this, he continues to grow, continues to get better. Michael Penix Jr. has absolutely evolved as a quarterback where, like you said, people are counting him out left and right because of what we've seen maybe early on in his career, especially at Indiana. Bo Nix is another great one. And it just, it's now college football has changed in that sense. I am looking forward to the 12-team tournament, though. Yeah. That's going to be great. And Washington, I mean, like, that's kind of crazy how they got here, too. I mean, they got a veteran team. You know, I mean, like, you got Michael Penix, who was at Indiana. The only thing about Washington, though, they're not so deep. So right now they're a little bit banged up. The Dylan Johnson injury is huge because if they're, if they're one-dimensional in this game and they have to drop Penix back 40-plus times, yeah. you, don't you know, then I don't like him as much. That's why I like Michigan in this game, though. All right, we bring on Brad Evans, his usual spot every week as we get set for the national championship game co-host live on the line. And we spent the first segment, I think, pretty much in a, at least agreeing, Brad, that we like Michigan in this game if they're able to establish their style of play early on in this game. Where do you sit as we're 20 minutes or so away from kickoff? Yeah, I'm going to go the opposite direction here, guys. I think Washington's got something to prove in uh, trying to set uh, the tone and the narrative in this game. I think Michael Penix Jr. has been such a masterful magician just uh, dissecting the opposition left and right throughout the entire 
uh, you know, second uh, half of the season, really the entire year, of course, last week against the University of Texas. So I actually like Washington first team to score 10 points in this game at plus 115 at BetMGM. And I know we've seen major tide shift uh, right now the line as uh, the Huskies were at plus four earlier today, then a four and a half and then five, five and a half. It just keeps climbing because uh, the belief is Michigan is going to come out and rock them, sock them robots and knock them out starry eyed style of the Washington Huskies. But this is a prolific offense. I know it's a classic case of, uh, you know, defense wins championships. Offense uh, finishes typically in second place, uh, but they're EPA top five of the nation. And per play offense, yeah, Michigan is number eight in the nation at EPA per play defense. But I think if the offensive line shows up for the Huskies, it's going to be mush, Huskies mush <laughs> early on. And I think you're going to put some points on the board. And that's why I'm chasing them on that race to 10. And also Washington on the standard uh, side there at plus five and a half. Yeah, good line. At least if you like Washington, you're getting the best of the number, Brad. Uh, what do you like for player props tonight? One of the more popular player props, yeah. I would imagine, is Blake Corum. Uh, it seems like Michigan's going to want to run the ball, keep the ball out of Michael Penix's hands. What say you? Yeah, it's all about ground, uh, ground control to Major Tom when it comes to, uh, you know, Blake Corum. And everybody anticipates him having a monstrous game. But uh, I like the under. I, I took it on uh, that under 104 and a half. For him earlier today at BetMGM, he's only achieved the over on that number one time the entire season. And again, I'm a numbers nerd, and I like looking at the advanced analytics, and uh, they're quite unsightly when it comes uh, to Blake Corum. He's number 228 in the nation, according to Pro Football Focus, in yards after contact per attempt. He's only forced to miss tackled 9.9% of the times. Uh, so if you look uh, for those non-math majors out there, uh, at the hard data, he's only forced 20 missed tackles on 202 rush attempts this year. So, yes, I know Washington is number 125 in the nation in rush EPAD. Yes, I know they're allowing 137.1 rush yards per game. But, again, correlate, synergize, and bring it all together with my belief that Washington comes out and levies the first uppercut. If that does reign true, Blake Corum and, you know, the narrative of them trying to establish uh, the ground and pile style that uh, they are most comfortable with will not come true. So I'm taking the under on Corum, 104 and a half. Rush yards a little bit too aggressive in my mind. Yeah, and an open around like 75 and a half, so that continues to go up. Obviously, the touchdown props are crazy. Anything that you would do with any of the Michigan receivers, Roman Wilson, 45 receptions, 63 targets. Cornelius Johnson has 60 receptions this season. Uh, they have a couple good tight ends as well. Anything that you would do there, or would you stay away from, from props in this game as far as the Michigan side since you like Washington here? Yeah, I am largely stayed away. The only one that I really do like on the offensive side is J.J. McCarthy. I took the over on 193 and a half pass yards for him, and I think that number is too low. I mean, obviously, I usually love rushing yards uh, tie the quarterback position, but it's a college game, and sacks count against you, so it can get a little bit dicey. Uh, if Washington uh, is able to dial up the heat there with a pass rush. So I do like McCarthy, though, on the 193.5 pass yards prop. Uh, Washington number 69 and pass defense success rate this season, giving up 267.1 pass yards per game. Uh, J.J., number four in the nation in adjusted completion percentage, he's hit the over eight times. So a couple of chunk gains down the field if those, uh, this does indeed become a shootout. I think that's very much on the table. So to me, that is the strongest offensive play on the maize and blue side of things. 
Brad, I saw a narrative going around Twitter X, X Twitter, whatever we're calling it now, and I know that's dangerous to look at narratives there because people are idiots a lot of times on social media, but a <laughs> lot of it was, you know, Alabama and their mistakes. That's part of the reason why Michigan's in this game, which you can't totally argue. Alabama certainly had some mistakes in that game, but do you factor any of what happened in that Alabama game into this at all with some of those mistakes that, the, that they actually, maybe it helped Michigan get here a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it showed that there was cracks in the dam for Michigan. You know, this is not an impenetrable defense body stretch of the imagination. That, again, kind of plays into my belief of how things I believe are going to shake out early on this game and kind of uh, encompassing the game as a whole. Again, I think points are going to be more plentiful than some people suspect. A lot of people out there thinking, you know, it's going to be all about the defense because, again, that uh, tired line of defense wins championships often reigns true. And maybe I'm completely wrong in this, that it does play out that way. But uh, you got a high-flying offense of Washington. You got a quarterback in Michael Penix Jr., whose stock in the NFL is skyrocketing because mm-hmm. he's got uh, a laser rocket arm, and he is absolutely threading needles left and right and bears a very good defense in Texas the last time out and has embarrassed other really good defenses this year in terms of the EPA data, whether it being Utah, Arizona, or others. And that's why I like Washington getting out of this game fast because they typically do. And if they do, uh, then we are in for a one fine and dandy national title game, which we all sorely won after the yeah. disappointment oh. of last year. All right, let's talk about some receiver props then. If you like Michael Penix to get busy, who are some of the receivers that you would take the over on their yards? I actually like Westover, the tight end uh, for Washington, because all the attention outside and the speed that the Huskies have uh, at the wide receiver position means Westover could be in single coverage across the middle, uh, could be friendly and favorable single coverage across the middle. Uh, so I'll take the over on 26 and a half of receiving yards for him. Uh, it's two and a half receptions, the prop as well. And I'll take the over on that. It was a lighter juice when I saw it earlier today when I grabbed it, minus 105 at Bed and GM. So that really stands out to me. Uh, the other numbers that are out there are a little aggressive in the individual markets for some of the wide receivers, but I think there's value there at tight end. All right, Brad, I want to switch gears really quickly here, um, and I want to talk about the Bears. Tough loss yesterday to the Packers. <laughs> Matt Eberflus yeah. looking like he's going to stay. They got the number one overall pick. I can't blame yesterday on Justin Fields. I mean, poor offensive line nope. play again. But what do you do if you have the number one overall pick? Is it Caleb Williams? Are you trading back? What would you do there? Yeah, I'm trading back and probably number three to Washington. I believe the commanders are at that position. No, and we're at two. We're at two, Jr. my friend. That's what I was, I was going to ask you the right. same thing here. Because I, I want to know where you think yeah. your Bears are going because yeah. then the rest falls to us at number two. Yeah. Well, okay, well, the trade back to number two, uh, trade for the entire kit and caboodle uh, to Washington. So as a result, then you get Marvin Harrison Jr. at the two spot. Uh, Washington gets their uh, top-rated quarterback, whereas Caleb Williams or somebody else, and be done with it. You know, Justin Fields, you have to worry about, uh, you know, we still got a little bit of a learning curve, obviously, uh, but we saw some improvement this season. Um, and if you don't, you know, buy what I'm selling, look at the advanced data. It, it paints a, a pretty good picture of him on an upward trajectory right now. And, of course, he's got some of the finest legs in the NFL right there with Lamar Jackson in terms of making plays on the ground. So uh, the wise decision, the sage move, I think, for the Bears is trading back to number two with Washington, 
Let them get their guy in number one. Take Marvin Harrison Jr. Got other pick there inside the top ten. Fill a need, maybe a wide receiver. If you want to go another wide receiver, go for it. And really build a stable of offensive weapons there around just the fields. Or you fill in other areas of need, especially in the back end defensively. So, uh, Or maybe on the offensive line. The Bears are going to have options. But the uh, smartest move for them is trading out of the one position, stockpiling picks, which they already have a ton of, and trying to get Marvin Harrison Jr. That's got to be priority number one and hanging on, of course, to Justin Fields. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to think, but I mean, Brad, the Bears are in one of the best positions this offseason to really turn things around, like Washington is too, with cap space and draft picks. And it seems yep. like now Eberflus might even be staying there. There were reports for a while that Jim Harbaugh might be interested in a Bears coaching job if that were to become available. Do you think that tonight's game, a win or a loss for Michigan, would dictate in either direction where Jim Harbaugh is thinking he wants to go, whether he stays at Michigan or maybe takes an NFL job this offseason? Uh, I think Harbaugh, if he wins tonight, uh, sayonara, see you later. He's going to go back to the NFL. Uh, you know, with all of the speculation, uh, all of the, uh, you know, downsides of staying in the college game, it's kind of tired. The NIL stuff is exhausting, obviously, for a lot of these coaches. And he could take your foot off the pedal somewhat a little bit more at the NFL level. And I think there is still an appetite, a hunger for him to try to hoist the hardware and win a Super Bowl at the next level. So obviously uh, a lot of teams could be interested in Maybe it's the LA Chargers. Uh, we're seeing that if Antonio Pierce is not signed, which would be bat bleeping crazy, uh, they don't get him uh, his name on a dotted line there in Vegas. Maybe Vegas is a team. I don't think the Bears are. I think the Bears are you know, more than happy with Eberflus, the improvements and strides his team made uh, when they were the dregs of the cake for a large part of early this season. I think they want to have that continuity, and I respect it. In fact, I support it. Uh, I think we have a lot of knee-jerk reactions way too often uh, in the NFL, and if you don't win now, you're never going to win. Uh, get your ass out of here, but you, you got to kind of build a program like you do at the college level. It also applies to pro level, and that takes many times two to three years, and then you can have some really hard and fast uh, testaments after that. So uh, Harbaugh, we'll see what happens, but I think ultimately right now with a win, he's gone. With a loss, I think it's a 50-50 proposition. He does jump back to the NFL. All right, so what did you learn over the weekend in the NFL, Brad? Because Bills now end up winning the division. Now they end up playing the Steelers at home instead of playing the Dolphins back in Miami as nine-and-a-half-point favorites. They're plus 280 to win the AFC. I don't know how much I like that might be worth the flyer. Like, Who are some of the teams that impressed you this weekend that you think might be worth betting on? Yeah, Buffalo is interesting for sure, and I think they're going to handle uh, Pittsburgh without any difficulty whatsoever. Um, you know, defensively, uh, they seem to plug some of the holes after, you know, m myriad injuries really set that team back uh, for a couple of weeks. Uh, Josh Allen, do you worry about his propensity for turnovers? Uh, and, you know, will it lead to a pick six or scoop and score? Uh, that could be at an inopportune time. That is, uh, you know, certainly a downside for him. Uh, but James Cook has really merged, right? Uh, Stephon Diggs uh, made some big catches last night. It, you know, Gabe Davis went in on the field, and they were still able to move the ball easily down the home stretch here. Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox uh, being heavily involved. Khalil Shakur had some huge receptions. Uh, so I like the construct of this Bills team. But guys, come on. It's a Baltimore Ravens invitational. Yes. Uh, I think they're going to be in Vegas. 
And I think Baltimore is going to win the whole shebang without question. They are the front runner for a damn good set of reasons. And they've shown it at the end of the season, playing great football at just the right time. Brad Evans live on the line. Always love having you on, buddy. Thanks. Marsh! Huskies Marsh! Good luck! It's Bet MGM tonight. Well-